And uh, are you glad to be in the house of God today? Are you glad that we have a God that loves us and cares for us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and for me, and not only to die, but through his death and his resurrection, amen, that we can be in a right relationship with God. We serve a great God, amen? Well, I don't know about you, but I get excited. We serve a great God, amen? A God that loves us and cares for us, and, uh, and it's truly a blessing to be here. It's always a pleasure to come back to Hawaii, and as uh, Major Phil was saying, that my wife and I and my family lived in Hawaii about eight years ago, and, and uh, we were here with the Salvation Army, and we lived up in Mililani, and uh, we were with the Salvation Army over in IA, and we had a blessed time while we were here, and it's always a pleasure to come back uh, to the islands. And uh, I know that uh, you guys have been going through a, a, a series, you've just finished a series on the Beatitudes, and you've been talking about the Beatitudes, that uh, as Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount, and he, he's, in, he's at the uh, Sea of Galilee, and he's up on this mountainside, and he begins to, uh, to give these, uh, these Beatitudes, and blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are meek, and, and uh, you've gone through this sermon series, and in the book of Matthew, we're going to continue in the book of Matthew this morning, so if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to uh, Matthew, it's going to, excuse me, Matthew chapter 9, and uh, we're going to continue in the book of Matthew this morning, and uh, and we're going to be starting at verse 35, and and uh, this, is, this is a passage of scripture where, where Jesus, where Matthew just kind of uh, finishes off a section. We have in the beginning of Matthew, we have uh, in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter uh, 7, we have this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is preaching and he's giving one of his greatest sermons ever. But then when you get into uh, chapters 8 and 9, Matthew paints this picture of Jesus and he is showing that Jesus is not only speaking on behalf of God and because he's God in the flesh but he's also God because he is a God that does miracles and that can bring healing and can do things that nobody else can do. And in verses, in chapters 8 and 9, we see these, these miracles. There's about 10 miracles that happen in these two chapters. These, these miracles where Jesus is, is healing a, a demon-possessed man and, and he is giving sight to the blind and he heals a, somebody who is lame and, and he shows that he is, is, is God where he has a power over nature and he's in a boat and he's sleeping in a storm comes and, and the disciples wake him up and he brings calm uh, to this ocean, uh, to the storm that is happening. And then here at the end of chapter 9, uh, Matthew records these words and it says this. It says that, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, here it is, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus uh, goes into all these towns and villages, and the word that I want to focus on this morning is compassion. Are you a person that is compassion? Are you full of compassion in your life? You know, when we look at the word compassion in a biblical context, the biblical compassion has three components to the word compassion. The word compassion is, is a sense of, of seeing a need, that you see that there is somebody who is suffering, 
And not only do you see a need, but you feel something about that. And, and there's some kind of a motive, something that happens inside of you that there's a stirring where you see a need. You feel the suffering that is going on. And third part of the compassion is that you do something about it. And so this morning I ask you, are you a person of compassion? Jesus, when he goes into these towns and villages, and Matthew records, it says that he goes into all the towns, into all the villages, and he's healing every sickness and every disease. And it's interesting because scholars will, will have written and have said, you know, people have asked the question, well, is he really going to every town? Is he really healing every single disease and, and everything and healing every single person that he comes into contact with? And I think to get caught up in that is we miss the point of what Matthew is trying to say is that, that Jesus... And every opportunity showed compassion to those that came into his sphere of influence. That he was willing to stop and, and do and, and to, to continue to, uh, to heal and to touch them because they needed to be touched by God himself. How often in our lives do we become so busy, we become so sidetracked that we just become so desensitized to those that are suffering around us? That we get so complacent, we become so comfortable in our lives that we don't see those that are suffering around us. In the mid-1700s, uh, 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 there was a man by the name of Pedro Claver. And Pedro Claver was a priest in, in uh, Cartianus uh, in Colombia. And, and this priest, he was a, a priest that was there by the docks. And, and he would see uh, slaves coming in from these ships where they would go around and they would take, uh, 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 they would take the uh, Native Africans from Africa and they'd bring them to Cartagena into Colombia. And it was a gathering place where they would bring these slaves and then they would, uh, they would sell them and they would sell them and they would go around the world into slavery. And Pedro Claver was a priest who saw that, that here are these slaves that are coming. And Pedro Claver, because he had compassion, because he saw a need, what he would do is he would go and, and he would gather people around from, uh, he would gather the, uh, people who had businesses. And he would go and he would ask for some, either for some money or for some donations so he can bring these, these people some food, these slaves some food. He would go and he would try to find some clothes and he would bring them to them. And, and Pedro Claver would go down to these docks and, and he, would, he would go into these ships when these ships were, as you probably know about history, were just places that were just, just unhumanly impossible to bear. Many, many thousands of these slaves would die in these ships and they were, they were naked and they were sick and, and they were, uh, uh, they were uh, just covered in their own mess. And, and Pedro Claver would go into these ships and he would begin to gather them and he would wipe off their, their, uh, uh, their, their nastiness that was on them. Their open sores, Pedro Claver would go and he would clean them and he would get water and, and medicine and put his, and he would clean these open sores of these slaves. He would give them food and he would begin to treat them as a human being when they were treated as a commodity. And Pedro Claver, because he had compassion, would meet their physical needs. But to know Pedro Claver was a man that wouldn't just meet the physical needs, but he also wanted to meet the spiritual needs as well. Because Pedro Claver, as he was healing their wounds and he was giving them food and he was giving them clothes and he was, he was taking care of their physical need, Pedro Claver would begin to preach the gospel to them. And we begin to teach them about Jesus and begin to teach them that God loves them and cares for them and that there's a God that loves you and cares for you. And even though you might be in bondage right now, you can be spiritually set free, set free through the, the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how you might feel bound right now, that we serve a God that, that, that saves us and brings us into a right relationship with him. And you can have victory despite the circumstances in your life. Amen. And Pedro would bring the gospel to these slaves. And history records that, that literally thousands and thousands and thousands of slaves gave their lives over to Jesus Christ because of Pedro Claver. And Pedro Claver was a man who was compassionate because he saw a need. He felt a need. He was, and he did something about it. And I ask you this morning, are you compassionate? Because history says, uh, tells that when, uh, when you begin to research the, uh, the African Americans in the United States and you can trace their spiritual roots, you can trace their church history all the way back to Pedro Claver in the mid-1700s because he was a man of compassion. Because he was a man that saw a need, that he felt a need, and he did something about it. Jesus, in this passage of scripture, Matthew records that he went to all the towns and he was preaching and teaching and it goes on to say in verse 36 that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The word compassion in the, in the, uh, in the Greek has this, this, sense of, uh, this sense of to suffer with, this, this idea of suffering with. And Jesus saw that what? He saw he had compassion on them. Why? Because in that same verse, it says that they were harassed. That, that these people were harassed, and that word harassed in, in, the, uh, in the Greek literally means to be beaten down, to be suffering, to be oppressed. That these people that Jesus saw were being harassed, and that's why he had compassion on them. Not just because of the physicality of them being harassed and, and, and being without and suffering, but the spiritual reality that they needed a Savior and they needed to know that God loves them and that God cares for them. That God wants to be in a relationship with them, that they can be set free from any type of burden, all of their sins, through Jesus Christ. And so this morning I ask you, are you a person that sees suffering around you? You know, I have three beautiful children and God has blessed me with a beautiful family. My wife is here, but my three children are right here. And, and I have a, uh, my uh, son is, is 18 years old now. This is, picture was taken last year. My daughter is 15 years old, and my youngest boy is 13 years old. And my kids, I, I'm blessed with a beautiful family. And, and my kids, they, uh, they like to do a lot of practical jokes on me. And they like to always be messing around and, and doing all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and we play all kinds of games, and they're always playing jokes on me and trying to prank me. Well, my middle son, I want I want you to take a look, my youngest son, he's right there in the middle. I want you to take a good look at that, look, look at that face. He looks all like he's smiling and he's, everything's okay, but that dude is mischievous. Let me tell you, don't trust them. If he, if he is around, don't trust that guy. And I remember this one time we were, uh, one of the things that I hate doing is, uh, is I love my family, but one of the things I don't like doing with my family is going to the mall. I hate going to the mall. I hate having to go shopping. I hate having to go clothes shopping because I had two jobs when we go to the mall. The mall, my two jobs is, is one, I have to keep my eye on the kids while my wife is off shopping, and I have to hold her handbag. Those are two things that I have to do uh, when we go to a mall. And this one time we were at, uh, we were in the store, and we were, uh, we were uh, my wife was taking the kids to get some clothes for uh, school or something like that, and uh, we went into the Old Navy store, and, and, uh, and so they're shopping, and my kids are going off to the back. Uh, when my older kids went, and uh, Paula goes, and Paula says, now, Roy, just make sure you keep an eye on Deb and because this was a few years ago, he's a little bit younger, and just keep your eye on him. So I'm there watching my son and holding the handbag, you know, watching, and, and, uh, and so 
where uh, my kids come back, my other two kids come back, and, and I wasn't really paying attention. I was in the front of the store on my phone or something like that. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and I realize, oh, man, where's, where's Devin? I, I don't know where my youngest boy Devin is. And so I get the other two, Nathan and Lene, and I say, hey, guys, you need, to, you need to find where Devin is because I don't know where he's at. And so we're looking around, and I'm getting all kinds of nervous. And, and I said, you guys got to find him before mom comes back or else you guys are going to be in trouble. Really, that was going to be the one that's going to be in trouble, right? And so I'm looking, and I, I don't know where he's at, and I can't find him. And I'm, I'm walking back in front of the store. And here's the thing. This is where I found my son. This is where I found him. Right there in the middle. Now, check out. I was walking in front of these, these mannequins, walking back and forth. Just imagine. I can't find him. This is not staged. We did, I did not set this up. The dude is standing in the mannequins, uh, you know, like that. He's the perfect height. He's the perfect color, everything. He fit right in. I didn't even notice him. I'm my own flesh and blood. I didn't even notice where he was. I, I couldn't even, I didn't even recognize him. And I was walking by back and forth. Let me tell you, he's still grounded because of that. But I was walking back and forth, and I couldn't find him. But how much is that in our own lives that we walk by people who are suffering? We walk by people who need Jesus and we become so desensitized that we say we're people of compassion, but are we seeing that they're suffering? Are we feeling that they were suffering and are we doing something about it? How often do we walk by the people that we know, the people in our neighborhood, our neighbors, our friends, our families, Do we walk by and not even pay attention to the fact that they are suffering? They may not be suffering physically because they might have the house that they have. They might have the the car that they're driving. They might have the money in the bank. But if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they're suffering. If they don't know Jesus, they don't know this God that loves them so much that wants to give them eternal life and, and wants to be in a right relationship with them and they can be set free from the bondage of their sins. How can we say that we are a people of compassion if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, but yet we are not sharing the gospel and the good news with those that are in our sphere of influence? Because they are suffering spiritually. They may not be suffering physically, but spiritually they are suffering. You know, it's so easy for us to become busy and we get so caught up in our lives and, and we can come and be here at the Croc Church and, and we be involved in so many things. And in the Salvation Army, we're known in, in, this, uh, in this coming year, you know, Christmas time, we're always helping and, and always doing our Christmas work and giving toys and giving food. And, and there's so many things that go on within our, in our congregational life, in our own physical, in our own personal lives that we be, can become so desensitized to those that are suffering around us. Where Jesus, when he shows compassion, and Matthew points out that he he shows compassion because they are harassed. That just prior to all these things in chapters 8 and 9, that all the miracles, and this is something that's kind of interesting, all the miracles that Jesus does in chapters 8 and verse 9, through chapter 9, are interruptions. They're unplanned. There are things where he is, he is walking or he is going somewhere and, and something pops up and he, he, he uh, heals a person unplanned or he's preaching and, and somebody raises, uh, lowers a paralyzed man down literally right on top of him and it's an interruption and he heals him. The point being is, is that we need to make sure that there are margins in our life where we can be interrupted to be able to show compassion to those that God brings into our lives. That we can't become so busy and so self-centered that we miss opportunities that God gives us as he brings people into our lives that need to show, be shown compassion. 
And so I encourage you and I challenge you this morning in your own life, what are those things that that maybe you're so caught up in that we're missing opportunities to show compassion? Or maybe there's some here this morning that need to receive the compassion that God has for us through his son, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave his life for you and his life for me so we could be in a a right relationship with him. Maybe there's some of us in this room that just have some some sin in our life, some things that we are doing that we know that we should not be doing and we need to receive that compassion that God is wanting and waiting to pour out on you. He sees that you're suffering. He, He feels that you're suffering and he wants to do something about it by giving you forgiveness and releasing you from those burdens in your life because he loves you, because he cares for you and he wants so desperately to be in a relationship with you. Are you receiving the compassion of God in your own life? Compassion. Compassion is seeing a need. Compassion is feeling it. And compassion is doing something about it. What is it in your life that God wants you to be compassionate about? Who is it in your life that God wants you to show compassion to? I don't know the answers to those questions, but you do. Are we allowing margins in our lives to be interrupted? To be interrupted where we are not so, so focused on what's the task at hand that we're, we're missing, like me in that picture, missing, missing th- people that we know and we're just walking by that we're not even recognizing people in our own lives that need to be shown the compassion of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses And the book of James talks about that we shouldn't be just a hearer of the word, but we need to be a doer of the word. You see, we can come and we can worship and and we can lift our hands and we can be a part of Bible studies and we can do all the things that we do to worship God. As Major Phil said, that we've come into this place to worship him. Because yes, we are here gathered to to build and to encourage one another and to, to hear from the word of God. But yet if we do nothing about it when we leave this place, then it's really all for nothing. Because it's easy maybe sometimes to be compassionate to those that are here in this congregation, but yet are we showing compassion to those that God brings into our sphere of influence in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, within our own family? Are we showing compassion? Are we showing compassion? And this morning, I just want to encourage you with that word this, this morning to ask that question, are you somebody of compassion? Are you a compassionate person? Do you see the need? As soon as you walk out of this place and you drive down into town, and, and especially when you're down in town in, in Honolulu or in Chinatown or wherever, you see the suffering all around us. You see that physical suffering of people who are out on the streets and, and they need that compassion. They need for us to show compassion. But sometimes it's not so obvious because there are people so close to us that we're missing the fact that if they don't know Jesus, if they don't know the love of God, then they're suffering and they need that compassion. 